0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find. What terrors will uncover? Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the warning woods. Chris? Here. Max? Here. Sadie? Present. Grant Newman precariously balanced his laptop on his forearm as he read each name from the list. His smile was the only one in the classroom as he set his laptop down on the desk and started class. Okay, so Mr. Spencer has you reading A Tale of Two Cities, I see. Can anyone tell me what your assignment was? I have it in this binder, but I'm sure someone could tell me before I find it. He smiled at the thirty high schoolers again, but turned serious when no one bothered to reply. They stared at him as if he was just a drawing on the whiteboard. Okay, well in that case… Grant trailed off and was about to open the binder Mr. Spencer had prepared for him when he noticed a girl in the corner whose name hadn't been on the roster. She looked shy with curly brown bangs that hid her eyes. Her porcelain skin looked like it rarely, if ever, saw the sun, and was surprisingly clear for a teenage girl's. There was barely a square inch of skin among the rest of the class that wasn't marred by some sort of pimple, rash, or scab. The strangest part of her appearance, the thing without which Grant might not have even noticed her, was her dress. It was bright pink and seemed to bloom from her body like a cloud. It didn't match the minimal, form fitting clothes most girls her age were wearing. It also didn't match her sour expression. No, not sour sad. She didn't just look tired or bored like the others. She looked utterly depressed. "'Excuse me, I'm sorry. I believe I missed you during roll call,' Grant said. The girl remained still and quiet. "'Uh, you, young lady, in the pink dress. I didn't catch your name.' Her shoulders stiffened and she appeared to shrink a little. Her eyes slowly raised to meet the teacher's. "'Could you just tell me your name?' Grant asked again. I'm new, the girl replied. She practically whispered the words, and if Grant hadn't been staring directly at her, he might not have caught them. Ah, welcome. I'm not the usual teacher, just a sub, so I probably missed something. If you just tell me your name, I'll record your attendance and we can dive into Dickens. The girl stared back at Grant long enough to make him uncomfortable. He was trying not to get frustrated with her. He had dealt with shy kids, but this girl's resistance was rooted in something else. He just couldn't figure out what. But if she wouldn't even tell him her name, he didn't know how to even begin to interact with her. The other students had also grown visibly uncomfortable. They kept looking from Grant back to the corner where the girl was sitting, and back at Grant. Their faces displayed more concern each time they turned toward him. This frustrated Grant more than anything. The girl was making him look like a fool. If he didn't do something quickly, he would lose control of the class and be powerless to take it back. Okay, everyone, it's rude to stare. Has anyone else met our new classmate? Would anyone be willing to share her name so we can move on? They were all facing him together now. Their expressions ranged from confusion to concern. One girl in the middle of the room looked like she was about to cry. Teenagers, Grant thought. A snorting laugh broke the uncomfortable silence and Grant turned toward the sound. The laugh had come from Max Pollard. Max might have been the class clown if he had the brains for real comedy. ''Something funny, Max?'' Grant asked. Max snorted again and nodded. He looked up at Grant with playful eyes. He searched Grant's stern face for humor and, when he found none, the playfulness vanished from his own expression. He suddenly looked like he had bitten something bitter and turned his face downward. Um, Mr. Newman? Yes, Sadie, Grant replied, unable to disguise the relief in his voice. We were supposed to read up to page 175. Ah, perfect, thank you. Did everyone finish this assignment? The rest of the class period went normally, although a few of the students didn't seem to recover from the odd beginning. The girl in the pink dress never said a word. She kept her eyes hidden behind the curtain of hair and her hands in her lap. Grant was tempted to call on her once, but decided just to avoid the awkwardness this time. It's not even my class, he thought. Mr. Spencer can deal with her when he gets back. Grant checked his email over lunch. To his surprise, he had a message from Principal McPherson. He opened it immediately. Mr. Newman, please find me in my office at your earliest convenience. I have cleared your schedule for the afternoon. Thank you. Vera McPherson. Cleared my schedule? Grant pondered her possible reasoning. After the weird incident with the new girl, his morning had gone on without a hitch. He hadn't had to raise his voice or issue any disciplinary action in a single class. He started to wonder if the meeting with the principal were about something more serious than that. He wondered if he was about to be let go. Funds had been tight lately. Rather than worry himself any longer, he abandoned his half-eaten turkey sub and went straight to Principal McPherson's office. He found the door open and Vera McPherson sitting at her desk. He knocked politely on the doorframe, and she looked up. She didn't smile as she gestured for him to come in. As he pulled out a chair, she stood and closed the door. So, I'm sure you know why I asked you to come in she said as he sat back down. I'm sorry, but I actually have no idea, Vera. I've been worried you were going to give me some bad news. Is that not the case? Uh, no. She looked confused and a little concerned. Grant stayed quiet. I was hoping you could just tell me what happened during first period with Mr. Spencer's class. A few students have come forward with some troubling stories. Troubling how? Grant asked. They've claimed you spent up to five minutes talking to an empty desk after roll call. What? Okay, you must know that's not what happened. Those kids must be coordinating some kind of prank like they do. I was talking to- I've watched the video, Grant. The principal said. I thought it sounded ridiculous, too. I just wanted to brush this off as teenagers trying to be funny, so I asked the SRO for the recording. Principal McPherson seemed to be waiting for some kind of reaction from Grant. But he remained perfectly stoic. If she had seen the video, she must have seen how he had tried to interact with the new girl. She must have seen how well he kept his cool. So why had she canceled his afternoon classes and brought him in here? Grant, do we need to watch the tape together or will you just tell me what that was all about? Please don't talk to me like I'm one of those kids. No, we don't need to watch the tape together. It's very simple. I finished roll call and there was a girl in the corner whose name wasn't on the list. I asked her her name, but the only thing she said to me was, I'm new. I asked the class if anyone knew her name, and they didn't say anything. Well, except for Max Pollard. He laughed, but that's about par for the course. Yes, I saw all of that, Vera said. The only thing I didn't see was anyone sitting at that corner desk. Oh, come on, Vera, that can't be... Vera turned her computer screen so Grant could see it grainy color footage of Mr. Spencer's classroom was displayed in full screen. He could see himself smiling at the corner desk, which was totally empty. The principal hit play, and Grant watched himself ask the empty desk, Could you just tell me your name? Everyone in the video was still and quiet until a few seconds later when Grant said, Ah, welcome. Vera paused the video there and raised an eyebrow at Grant. I don't know how to explain this, he said. There was a girl there this morning, I swear. Do you know how crazy you're sounding? She asked. I can see how it looks, Vera, but like I said, I cancelled your afternoon. Spend the next couple of hours catching up on whatever you need to do and see if that clears your head. This can stay between us for now, but kids talk, Grant. You're going to have to address this at some point or else you'll be branded the crazy sub until those kids graduate. Grant excused himself and stewed at his desk until the final bell rang. He grabbed his bag and rushed to the hallway to blend with the sea of students so the principal wouldn't have a chance to say anything else to him that day. As he made his way to the front doors, he spotted a head of curly brown hair bouncing between the two airy shoulders of a bright pink dress. I knew it, he thought. There must be something wrong with the camera in that classroom. He hurried to catch up with the girl as she walked through the front doors. She continued past the parking lot, not paying any heed to the students walking and starting their cars around her, and stepped onto the sidewalk. Grant walked past his own car and caught up with her in front of the church that stood about a block from the school. "'Excuse me, hi,' he said as he approached. The girl spun around. She looked terrified. Her eyes were wide and her pale cheeks flushed crimson red. "'Whoa, whoa, I didn't mean to scare you. I just wanted to check on you,' Grant said. "'Check on me?' The girl asked in the same quiet voice she had used in class. "'Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you were all right. You were pretty quiet this morning. You know, I moved around a lot when I was a kid, so I know it's tough to find your place in a new school.' "'This is my first school ever,' the girl said. She continued walking down the sidewalk at a slow pace. Grant shadowed. "'Your first... school?' "'But you look like you must be at least, what, fourteen, 15. I'm 15, she said. My parents used to teach me. Oh, you were homeschooled? Grant asked. Yes, I suppose. But my parents don't want me anymore. Your parents don't... Hold on. You might want to talk to the guidance counselor if you're having trouble at home. I could set up an appointment for you if you'd like. No, that's okay. I'm just going home now, she said. Where do you live? Grant asked. I'm not supposed to say why not? My parents would get mad. A car pulled up alongside Grant, and he recognized it as Principal McPherson's. Grant? Everything all right? She asked through her open window. Her tone belonged in an interrogation room. Yeah, I was just talking to- Grant trailed off as he realized the girl was no longer by his side. He quickly scanned the area for her, but couldn't find her. Even in her poofy pink dress, she had managed to disappear. Just talking to myself, he finished awkwardly. It helps me think. "Mm Mm-hmm. If you think you've got your head on straight, I'll see you tomorrow. With that, she rolled up her window and drove away. Once the principal was out of sight, Grant called out, Where'd you go? He received no answer. The girl had simply vanished. On the way back to the parking lot, Grant had an idea. He walked past his car, back through the front doors, and down the hall to the administration office. He hoped someone would still be there. They usually were until five or so. Sure enough, he found his favorite clerk, Jenna, working intently at her desk. Her computer screen was reflected in each circular lens of her big glasses. Her hair was tied back in a tight bun, not intended for style, but practicality. She only looked up when he was standing right next to her. Grant, she said, beaming as she realized who he was. "'Hope I'm not interrupting,' Grant replied, smiling back. "'It's so funny how people say that "'when they clearly know they're interrupting. "'Oh, I'm sorry, I just don't apologize. "'Everyone does it. "'I just find it funny, that's all. "'Oh.' "'This was why Grant enjoyed Jenna so much. "'She was observant, clever, and unabashed. "'These were traits he needed in someone right now. "'Say, Jenna, if there were a homeschooled student "'in our district, would we have any information on them?' If their parents or guardians were adhering to the proper protocols, yes, Jenna answered. Great. Could you look someone up for me? Grant asked. Of course. What's the name? Grant froze, realizing he had now failed twice to glean the girl's name. I'm sorry, I don't know it. Could you just pull up a list of all the homeschooled students in our district? Sure. Looks like there are 17. Some of them have pictures, but they're not required. We don't have them automatically like we do for students who come here. That's alright, I have a feeling this student won't have one. Can you filter out the boys? A few keyboard clicks later, Grant and Jenna were studying a list of nine homeschooled girls. Grant was easily able to disregard seven of them that had pictures of girls who looked nothing like his mystery student. The remaining two had similar ages, meaning either could have been in his class that day. Jenna offered to give Grant both phone numbers, but he really didn't want to call her home. His plan was to make an unannounced visit to check on the girl and make sure things were okay with her parents. He didn't like how she had said they didn't want her anymore. Well, what kind of an address is that? Jenna uttered to herself. She was staring at the second student's profile. Grant read it along with her. 42756 798th Street? There was also a P.O. box. I have no idea where that is. Can you map it for me? Grant asked. Jenna quickly summoned Google Maps and entered the address. The house was located almost three miles outside of town off a country road. It was totally isolated. The satellite images showed a mass of trees on the property's south side, an enormous cornfield on the east and north sides, and a small lake to the west. I have a feeling my girl lives out there, Grant said. Mostly to himself, he added. I can't believe she walked that far. Grant? Jenna started but trailed off. She knew him well enough to know nothing she could say would change his mind if he had set it to a particular plan, but she felt obligated to try. If you're thinking about going out there, I really wouldn't. Call CPS or even the police. Let them do a welfare check on the girl. I connected with her, Jenna. If some random cop shows up, she'll probably just put on the Happy Family Act until they leave but she's already told me things aren't good there. Are you sure? Are you sure she's not just a hyperbolic teenager acting out? Remember that girl who starved herself because her parents wouldn't buy her a new iPhone? She went to the freaking hospital. This is different, Jenna. I just have a feeling. Then let me come with you, Jenna said. Grant wanted to say absolutely not, it's too dangerous, but that would mean admitting the danger existed and proving Jenna's point. Instead, he agreed to let her come. Something bad was probably less likely to happen with two of them there anyway. Neither of them were particularly threatening. Worst case scenario, the parents would send them packing and they would have a better basis to request a welfare check from the authorities. Before they left, Jenna opened her desk drawer and placed her index finger on a little black square on a coated metal box. There was a beep, a click, and the box's lid popped open to reveal a silver 40 caliber handgun. Geez, Jenna, you keep that thing in your desk? What the hell for? Just in case, she replied calmly. And before you ask, yes, I can shoot it. Most men don't think I can, but I can. She produced a holster from another drawer and casually clipped it to her belt before holstering the gun and letting her sand-colored blouse drape over it. Grant was impressed how well the sheer fabric concealed the weapon on her small frame. They ended up taking Jenna's truck as well as her gun. She had surprised Grant once again when he saw her lifted Dodge Ram, a vehicle he had always assumed belonged to some country wannabe student when he had passed it in the parking lot. Anything Jenna lacked in physical stature, she had sure made up for in other ways. The drive out to the isolated property only took about five minutes for them, but Grant speculated it must have taken well over an hour for the poor girl on foot. He was actually surprised they hadn't seen her along the gravel roads on the way out. The GPS told them to turn onto a narrow road where they saw the trees from the satellite image. They were incredibly dense. There was barely enough room for a person to fit between them. Only the one-lane road passed through. Ten-foot-tall corn grew on either side of the grove, blocking their view and making them feel totally isolated. "'Imagine how beautiful the stars must look out here,' Jenna said. Grant didn't reply. His thoughts could not have been further from a starry sky as they drove through the thick trees and found a lonely house on the other side. It really looked more like a cottage than a house, and not a cute one. Dark wood, cloudy windows, and an austere peaked roof gave the impression of the witch's house from Hansel and Gretel. I can't believe you wanted to come out here alone, Jenna said. I'll admit, I'm glad you're here now, Grant replied. It was true. The solitary house was giving him an ominous sense of foreboding. It was too still. Even the lake, which he now saw rested at the bottom of a small hill, was perfectly motionless. Not even the corn leaves rustled, which made the sound of Jenna's truck that much more conspicuous. They might not be home. I don't see a car, Jenna observed. Grant looked around and realized she was right. However, there also weren't any tracks in the gravel or grass to indicate a car had ever been down that road before. There was a single bicycle leaning against the wall near the front door, but it was the only vehicle around. Grant and Jenna got out and approached the front door. There was no doorbell, so Grant knocked. No one answered. He knocked again, and this time they pressed their ears against the door to listen for any sounds coming from inside. The house was dead quiet, before Grant could say anything, Jenna tried the knob. It was locked, but the door squealed open anyway. The inside of the door frame had been damaged so severely that it could no longer hold the door shut. Looks like someone busted the door open, Grant said. And recently, Jenna added, look at how fresh the cracked wood looks. She was right, the damaged wood still had a fleshy color, giving it the impression that the damage was only a few days old at most. The kitchen was just inside, dimly lit by a single dusty window above the sink. It was orderly, but not clean. A visible layer of dust clung to the greasy edges of the counters, which were stained in dark patches. The only electric appliance was an undecorated refrigerator, A circular dining table with three chairs dominated the middle of the room. A vase, full of drooping and dead daisies, sat in its center. "'It doesn't feel like anyone lives here,' Grant said. "'Are you sure this is the house?' Jenna asked. "'I thought so. Even if it's not, there's still a student registered as living here. "'Should we go in?' "'Hang on,' Grant said, holding Jenna back. "'Hello? Is anyone home?' The responding silence raised the hair on Grant's arms. I guess so, he said, releasing Jenna and taking a step inside. The floor creaked with each step they took. The kitchen gave way to a tiny living room. There was a bookshelf against one wall with a tattered leather chair sitting next to it. A short coffee table stood between the chair and a matching love seat. Do you smell that? Jenna asked. Grant just nodded. He had picked up on the sickly sweet smell as soon as they had entered the house. It left a taste in his mouth like biting into a rotten apple. There was also a hint of something in the back of his throat that burned and made his eyes water a little. He noticed two empty prongs mounted above the bookshelf and pointed them out to Jenna. She indicated she understood. Those prongs were mounted there to hold a shotgun or a rifle, but the gun was missing. You know what, this is a bad idea. I can't believe we even came this far, Jenna said. Let's just call the police to do a welfare check on her. Grant opened his mouth to respond, but was interrupted by a whimpering female voice behind a closed door to their right. Their heads both snapped towards the door. The voice said, Please don't leave me. Who's there? Grant asked, panting. No answer. Jenna whispered, Grant, I really think- Don't leave me! The voice shouted. Grant made a face again like he'd eaten something rotten. He shook his head at Jenna and bit his lower lip. I can't, Jenna. He stepped across the room and opened the door. There was no light on the other side, but he could see clearly enough to know no one was there. A chain dangling from a light bulb in the ceiling swayed gently back and forth. The air was perfectly still, so Grant knew someone had just touched the chain. He reached up and pulled it lighting up a wall directly across from the door. There was another dirty wall to the left, but to the right was a steep, dark staircase. The voice came again, this time in a whisper. I'm down here. This is where they keep me now that they don't want me. Grant, don't even think about going down there, Jenna pleaded. I'm sorry, Jenna. I still can't leave her. A normal kid doesn't act this way. If she wants help, she can come up here. The whispering voice said, I can't come up. Grant looked sick to his stomach, but he shrugged off the nerves and took his first step down the stairs. An old childhood fear that something would reach up between the steps and grab his ankle returned to him. He hated leaving the light behind. The basement was so dark. He took the last step and felt the silty looseness of dirt under his shoe. Thankfully, another chain dangled in front of him. He pulled it and the bulb flickered, but didn't light. Come on, he murmured and pulled again. Once more the bulb flickered, but the chain didn't catch. In the brief flash of light, Grant saw a pink dress standing at the far end of the basement. Hey, he shouted fearfully. What are you doing down here? He tugged the chain again. The light flashed and he saw the girl taking a step toward him. Stay back, he shouted. Another tug, another flash. This time the girl was almost within arm's reach. Grant took a step backward and pulled the chain one more time. Finally the bulb lit and filled the small rectangular basement with a yellow hue. Grant was alone. A workbench directly across from him was the only large object down there. Other than that, the basement was just a patch of dirt enclosed by cinder blocks. There was a bottle of ammonia on the workbench, and a shovel leaning against its side. On legs that felt like they might collapse beneath him, Grant approached the bench. He picked up the shovel and examined the dirt clustered on its blade. It was still moist. Fresh. A quick scan of the floor was all Grant needed to find the disturbed patch of dirt in the corner, it looked approximately five feet long and three feet wide. Fighting his instinct and wondering when the home's residents would return, Grant brought the shovel over to the patch of turned dirt and started to dig. He kept waiting to feel the jolt of the shovel striking against something hard and solid, or worse, feeling the sickening squelch of something soft. Finally, he scooped a shovelful of dirt away and saw a bright pink hem protruding from the earth. He dropped the shovel and put both hands over his mouth as he tried not to vomit. When he finally got control of his breath, he called up to Jenna, but she didn't answer. Jenna? He called again. Again, he heard no response. A footstep made one of the steps groan. It was too loud, too heavy, to have belonged to tiny Jenna. Grant picked the shovel back up and pressed himself against the wall next to the staircase. The footsteps continued to descend toward him. They were slow and methodical. Whoever was coming knew he had nowhere to run. The double barrels of a shotgun slipped into view beneath the light bulb. A meaty hand was gripping it. A second hand appeared slowly. This one had its fingers on the first trigger. Grant held off until he could see the angry, haggard face of the man coming down the stairs. He swung the shovel as hard and fast as he could, smashing the man's nose and spraying them both with blood. The gun went off into the ceiling before it clattered onto the floor. It was too far for Grant to reach quickly, so he only took the shovel with him as he ran up the stairs. He was greeted at the top by the barrel of another gun, but this time he recognized the face behind it. It was Jenna. Relief washed over him as Grant shouted for her to run. They darted towards the door but were blocked by a hideous, scowling, gray woman. Jenna only had to raise her gun to wordlessly force the woman out of the way, though. The duo ran to their truck and sped away. A shotgun blast rang out behind them, but by the grace of God, it missed. Grant called 911 as Jenna drove them away. Within an hour, the hostile parents were arrested for the murder of their 15-year-old daughter, Clarice. Her body was exhumed from the basement. It was barely bloated and in perfect condition besides a six-inch dent in the right side of her skull. Clarice had apparently expressed an interest in attending public school the day before. She just wanted to be around people her own age. According to her father, her mother became so angry... She hit Clarice over the head with a cast-iron pan, killing her instantly. Clarice's desire to attend high school was not hindered by death, though. Grant still sees her often when he subs in various classes. She always finds a seat near the back of the room, or stands in a corner if the class is full. Grant always makes sure to smile at her, and always receives one in response now. He's careful not to talk to her now, though at least not in front of other students or the cameras. And every day, he sees her walking home, forever wearing that pink dress, forever 15. He wonders what she does in that empty house each night. He hopes she only rests, but fears she spends those hours in lonely solitude. He wants to offer her a spare room in his own little house, but Jenna discourages him from doing so. She doesn't mind his thoughts lingering on the spirit girl, but she doesn't want to let her any closer. She's just a sad 15 year old now, Jenna always says. But what happens when she grows up? What if she turns out just like her parents? How do you know she'll grow up? Grant always asks. I don't. But if she does, I don't want her anywhere near you. It out congratulations if you enjoyed the story please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the woods if you want more creepy content including the images that accompany each story follow me on instagram at the Warning woods if you feel ready meet me here next week for another journey Into the Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Wine. coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.